you know, I also paint and stuff. And sometimes I have that just inclination where I'm like, man, this thought is in my head. I need to paint something. And the same thing happened with me as a writer. You know, I have this thought. I need to get it out. And so literally every day, like, I would go to work. I would do my work, (laughs) but I would also write. Like, on my free time, on my lunch break, I would write. And um, then when I got home, I would write. And it would just be like clockwork every day until it was done. Um, So, yeah, I I wrote it a few years ago, and I literally just sat on the manuscript. Um, I was just afraid of rejection, I guess you would say. And then, you know, I prayed on it a lot, you know, because I really wanted to to do God's work with the novel. I said, you know, if it's in your will, let's just tell me what I should do with this because I want to get it out there, but it seems as though I'm not getting the traction that I want. So I sent it to a few people and rejection, <laughs> rejection, rejection. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a writer, you have to deal with that, you know. Yeah. But But it's one of those things where, you know, I prayed on it and I said, let me just see. And so I sent it out a few more times. And sure enough, um, a, a publisher said, hey, we really love your novel and we, we want to publish it for you. So, Well, yeah, uh, I totally get it because as an author myself, you, you, you get this strong inclination to put something down, especially if you get an idea that's really fresh and that's really um, uh, intriguing and uh, very, uh, it, it sticks out to you and you and you think to yourself, oh my God, this is so uh, awesome and off the cusp. I need to put this down on paper before it evaporates. And yeah. you, you get what is called a muse. You know, the muse starts to talk to you and it becomes like an over, it, it, it's an overwhelming impulse to take out a notebook and a pencil or a pen, whichever you prefer, and you've got to <laughs> jot this idea down, whether it's a name of a character or whether it's a um, an idea or a plot for a story. Yes. And you've got to put it down now. It's, it's like now, whether you're at work, whether you're on the bus, whether you're in your car, whether you you're at in in the library or you're 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 at a diner or or at McDonald's eating food which neither one of us go to but uh, <laughs> no. because we want to we, we I want to see 41 and you want to see 33 so we we don't go to those places but you get the general idea yeah and it's it's just like okay you it's it's a still small voice that tells you write this down or else and so you write exactly. it down, and it becomes a story, or it becomes uh, a short story, or or a, a novel. And so <clears throat> I totally get it. Now, the, the question that I really wanted to ask you, Candice, is what? Where did you get your characters from? Jade. Who is Jade? Uh, <laughs> explain who he is, and explain. Sure what his purpose is uh, in this story. Got it. Well, Jade is a demon. And so what you find is you'll meet these characters in the book, Sarah, Jade, Stephen, and they're all kind of interrelated and they play off of each other and they don't know about each other. But we'll start with Jade. So essentially Jade dies and he goes to hell. Um, And you'll find out why in the book. But um, while in hell, he's suffering. And he encounters an opportunity that the devil presents him with. And you find out in the book that the devil presents this opportunity to some souls. And he has the opportunity to get out of hell. His soul is bound in hell. He can't leave hell but only to execute a mission for Satan. And so as long as he's doing well, doing Satan's bidding on earth, he can stay out of hell. So that's his incentive for 
doing all of the devil's bidding. As long as I don't have to be in that place, <laughs> I'll do anything you want, you know, even though I know that this is ultimately going to be temporary, as mm-hmm. long as I can stay on earth and do what you want so I don't have to be there, that's fine. So his mission is to get as many souls as possible. That's his mission. And so when he gets to earth, he encounters Sarah Michael, and she's the main character, and she's kind of this woman who's this cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan woman, you know, very smart, very attractive, super career-driven. Um, she has a lot of difficulties with her personal relationships. Um, she has family issues. She has issues with men that she dates. Um, all of these things, a lot of things that a lot of people are encountering in today's society, okay? So she's a regular person, and she's not a faithful person at all. She just believes in herself. She's one of those people who's accomplished a lot on her own, and she knows that she can, knows what she can do, and she doesn't need anyone, and she certainly doesn't think that she needs God. Mm. So little does she know, you know, she's just going about her life, um, that she's actually the spiritual assignment of a soon-to-be angel that God assigns to her to guide her back to him. Mm-hmm. So it's this complex story where she finds herself being the center of a spiritual tug-of-war between a demon named Jade and a soon-to-be angel who's trying to earn his wings named Stephen. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know that a decision that she's going to make can literally be the decision that could potentially cost her soul. Um, Mm. And it's one of those decisions that you think, oh, you know, it it could make me a millionaire. Um, But it's one of those things where you have to think about the other implications associated with it, and she finds that out. So um, that's basically the plot of the story, and there's a lot of little details interwoven in the story about, you know, what she has to do, what she encounters, decisions she has to make. And essentially what the story is talking about is that daily decision making that we all have to do. And literally each decision is bringing us closer to heaven or closer to hell. And a lot of us don't really think about it that way, but essentially that's what it is. Um, are you working for righteousness or are you not? Um, and so that's the idea of the book. Well, yeah, I can see uh, Scripture backing this up. The Bible says to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. And also, um, when Jesus Christ uh, encountered Nicodemus, who was a scholar, he was a, a you know, he's a Jewish scholar, and um, Jesus, uh, well, Nicodemus asked, well, well, Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again, and he said, and then Nicodemus' response was, well, how can this be possible? Can a man uh, be born again and enter his mother's womb? And, of course, Jesus replied to him that, no, this is not a rebirth from a physical uh since this is not something that you can do physically, but you have to be born of the spirit. You have to be born of water and spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jesus said, well, you're a scholar. How can you not know of any of these things? So um, people don't understand the implications of uh, their need. Well, they people don't uh, – let, let me put it in another perspective. People don't really know, you know, people that are in the world, you know, Second Corinthians uh, 4, verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world have blinded the mind of those that believe not, unless the glorious gospel sh- uh, is, is revealed to them, uh, to paraphrase. But uh, essentially what that means is that we're living in a world where people uh, don't know and care about what the gospel is or don't know or care what, uh, about their need for uh, Jesus Christ to be saved. 
And so they're going about their way, not having a care in the world about God, not having any care of, uh, in the world about what the Bible says, about what they're doing, uh, and they don't know that they're going to hell. And, and you know, and this is something that someone told to me. Um, a good friend of mine who's now a pastor, he has his own church, and he used an example that really stuck with me. Um, he He was talking to some youth, and I was there because we were doing this youth kind of seminar thing. And um, he used the swivel chair as an example. He um, was sitting in the swivel chair with his butt on the seat, and he said, the devil will tell you that you should put your feet in the seat and put your butt on the back of the chair. Okay, it's still a chair. He's using a chair. Mm -hmm. Um but he's manipulating it in a way where you think that, oh, okay, that could make sense. But really what that's doing is it's putting you in jeopardy. And um, when he said that, he was like, now, if you saw me sit with my feet on the seat and put my butt on the back of the chair, you'd say, wait, what are you doing? That doesn't make sense. But this is how the devil twists things and manipulates things, you know. So you could think and you could earnestly believe that you're trying your best to do what God wants you to do, but you're not. You're off. And if you are just a degree off, you're not going to end up at the point at which God wants you to be. And that's kind of the message that I wanted to get across because in this society where there's so much misinformation um, where there's so many things that can get you off track. Uh, you know, we're inundated with options upon options, instant gratification, you know, and it just, it can become overwhelming, and a lot of times you don't know where to look. You don't know where to go. And so in my book, all I was saying to people, and I say this in the introduction, is essentially just check it out for yourself, you know, um, if you're at a point where you're doubting or you're feeling shaky in your faith or you're, you, you don't really know what's going on, you don't know what to believe, just read it for yourself. That's all. Just open the Bible, read it for yourself, get understanding for yourself, and then from there, after you've done that, make decisions. But I find that a lot of times people are often very quick to just discount the truth of the Bible without actually doing the research themselves. And so um, that's part of what my book, I want to encourage people to do. Just do the research yourself and make a decision from there. Yeah, and and, and I'm glad you brought that up because um, the idea, you know, people uh, are, uh, we're, we're live, well, let me, let me start off by saying this. We're, we're living in a postmodern, Age and what I mean, and we've di- talked about this before. We've discussed this in the past. Uh, postmodernism is the idea that there is truth, but it's not absolute. It's not based off of "Thus saith the Lord," which means um, either you do this or you die, essentially. And, and that's the only um, illustration that I can use. It's not. Mm-hmm absolute it's it's subjective which means it's it's um based off of the whims of 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 man's interpretation and so yes. any truth is true you know like for instance i can be a muslim and still be a christian i can be a mormon and still be a christian i can be a jehovah's witness or i can just be no uh, part of no religion at all and still be spiritual. Now the term is spiritual. It's not religious anymore. It's spiritual. People want to be spiritual, but they want to do away with the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is the world that we live in. And, and I'm pretty sure you've encountered individuals like this. And so your book is probably going to wake a lot of people up. Uh, so with that being said, I want to ask you uh, something that may or may not have anything to do with with what we're talking about, what we've been talking about thus far. But uh, your characters again. I want to stay. I want to focus on your the, the your characters. What you, 
like Jade, for instance, and you, you said something about an angel that doesn't have his wings yet. Do, do they do anything or do they perform any feats of supernatural uh, powers? Do they have any super? Well, of course, they're supernatural, but do they do anything supernatural? Like, I don't know, pick up a car or make something <laughs> disappear and reappear? Do they um, do any magical um, feats? Of, Got you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, actually, Jade, you know, he's a demon, and he learns in hell because he goes through extensive training in hell, and that's what you'll read in the book about all the training and all the tricks that Satan has in order to prepare his demons, his minions, to go out into the world and do his bidding. So he teaches them black magic. He teaches them um, esoteric knowledge. He teaches them all of these things that, uh, you know, are used to manipulate people and uh, play on people's intellect and, and little things like this, little little tricks that he shows you. But what you find out in the book is that the most persuasive tool that they have is persuasion. That's That's what they have. The most important tool that they have in their arsenal is persuasion. And so... Um, what they do is they use certain tricks to get you to accept them, you know. Um, And so you find out that there are all these little things that have been put into place from centuries ago, eons ago, since the world began to kind of get people off track and to buy into their paradigm. And it's all just to get your soul. That's all it is, <laughs> um, you know, and there's no, you know, the, the trick is to make you think that it's something else, but that's really the only goal. So you'll find out in the book that there's a lot of things that Jade can do, but oftentimes he doesn't need to do it. Um, he, his best tool is his ability to talk, um, his ability to persuade and so and distract. And so those are his best tools that he uses. As for Stephen, uh, he's not an angel yet. And so you'll find out in the book that angels are the soldiers of God. You know, they are in God's heavenly army. And um, every soul has an opportunity to become an angel, but they have to do a mission. So him going back to earth, he doesn't have any supernatural powers. Um, all he can do is do his best to uh, get Sarah to understand where he's coming from and to bring her back to God. And um, so you'll find that he doesn't have many powers, but he can recognize demons if he sees them. So that's his one tool that he has. That's his one gift that um, he's allowed to do. He can sense evil. Uh, but he doesn't have any supernatural powers yet. Only angels have the supernatural powers and demons, of course, So, uh, in the book. So it, it's it's interesting. And so you see kind of this interplay of how everything works out. Um, and it works out. It, it works out well for a few characters, and you'll see why. <laughs> well... Uh, it's just pretty interesting because, uh, you, you know, you look at Satanism and the occult, uh, most of what is called magic, you, you know, you, you look at guys like Aleister Crowley, and uh, Aleister Crowley was the father of, or some people say he was the father of modern Satanism, but Aleister Crowley utilized magic in a lot of his um, rituals. And the word magic literally means um, it's it's a it's something that they use to like for instance it's it's something that they use it's like a force that they use to manipulate or change uh, the uh, re- change other you know change the reality of the of the universe that's around them. In other words. And it and it's done by words. So if I want to change my own 
the universe, then all I have to do is say a word, say some words or uh, utilize some words, and that those, the words that come out of my mouth will produce what I'm looking for. And this is what is taught in a lot of your Pentecostal charismatic churches, and that's why the focus is always on your atmosphere, changing your atmosphere. Wait a minute, isn't we can't change our atmosphere because God is the only one that can do that. But when you look at New Agers and you look at um, other mind science cults, that is always emphasized, the changing of one's atmosphere by the words that they speak. And that's and, what magic is. And the thing about it is, um, and, and you touched on this, and this is true, people don't understand the power in which they, in the things that they do. And that's part of what comes out in the book, that there's significant meaning attached to a lot of things that many of us just don't know. Um, we we kind of think that it is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. And it's just like, oh, this can be done. I can say this. I can do this. I can... But um, a lot of times there's things that you don't understand. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of uh, meaning attached to certain things. And if you don't know it and you do it without that knowledge, you're you're kind of setting yourself up. You don't know why you're doing certain things and you're not questioning it. So that's also part of what comes out in the book. You you start to see that um, because it's been set up from ages ago. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so by your writing this book. And I can't wait for the sequel to come out. But <laughs> you're, you're writing this book, and it's when I read the first chapter, yeah, <laughs> my eyes were open. I mean, my eyes literally popped out of my head because I didn't know <laughs> what it was that I was reading. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't know what I – I thought it was a horror movie. I, I Well, a horror story or a horror novel. I thought that – I said to myself, "Oh my God!" I read. I only read the first two paragraphs before I finished the first chapter, and I said to myself, "Well, wait a minute, Jade is in hell." And so, yes. when I continued down to the last page, or to the end of the page, actually, it just dawned on me that this is scary. This is some. This is scary stuff. And this is the future of all of those that don't know Christ. That if they die in their sin, this is where they're going to end up. Well, and, and this is the thing. Um, the book, and I and I heard a few people tell me, you're not the first one to say it, that the first chapter, the first few chapters really kind of like woke them up. Like they were a bit, wow, what what does this mean, you know? And the intent is really just to make you think, what if, you know? Um, what if this is the truth? What if this is the actual possibility of where you could potentially go? Um, do you feel comfortable in your life? Do you feel as though you've made the right choices? Do you feel you've been the best person you could be? Have you cared for your neighbor? Have you loved people the way that you should? Have you forgiven people who've hurt you? You know, and when you really start to think about those things and you're like, man, have I? You know, and the question, it, it really is just one of those things where just you're just supposed to think about your life. Just kind of think about it and put things into perspective and just get a few things in order. Um, you never know what tomorrow could bring. Uh, and, and that's the whole point of the book. And when it, in, there's a certain part in the first chapter that when I was writing it myself, I started to think about the words that I was saying. And I said, you know, what if this is what happened? Um, 
of course we don't know and we'll, we won't know until the end, but just that feeling of not being able to get to where I want to go is just scary in and of itself. And um, what I say, also what I talk about in the book is that, you know, whatever your concept of hell is, you know, you know, it might be fire and brimstone. It might just be total darkness, isolation, loneliness, the desert. Who knows? Whatever visual image you have of hell. The one thing that we do know is that it's total and utter separation from the most high, from your creator. And that in and of itself is scary because when we think about what's happening on earth and how even on earth with all of the bad things that happen, the beauty that also is there and the grace that we have, you're still protected and shielded by the most high. You're still connected to your creator. Even if you choose not to believe in him or not believe in him or not believe in him, he's there, he's protecting you. You have his grace. When you think about the fact that in hell, you may never have that connection with him ever again. That is the scary part. You don't know him anymore. And um, so whatever your concept of hell is, and that was my idea of hell, but whatever yours is, we all know that it's total and utter separation from the most high. And um, that's that's terrifying. Well, hell is, well, hell, Jesus described hell in Luke 16. Um, It was supposed that hell is a place of uh, fire and brimstone uh, where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. Uh, There's continual suffering and when you die when a, a, a sinner dies uh his soul his soul and his spirit will live on but his body is dead uh mm-hmm. and this is plainly explained in, in luke 16 you're consciously aware of where you are and jehovah's witnesses will tell you that this isn't true they believe in the doctrine known as annihilationism which means there is no uh um life after death in, in a sense that the soul does not live beyond the grave. Once you die, you know, you just die. You're you're annihilated. But the Bible teaches differently. But uh, this is, uh, you you brought something else up pertaining to your novel about symbolism, I believe. And there's another thing that people, Christians in, in particular, need to understand when they're uh, talking about Satanism in the occult is that, especially in the music industry, fields of entertainment, media, uh, Hollywood, a lot of actors, a lot of musicians, rock musicians, they throw up different signs and symbols, and people are not aware of what they are, but in esoteric groups, they they know what they are. And this is how Satan works. Satan works through secrecy, through the dark, um, and, and this is uh, clearly spoken of in the book of, of, of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah, I believe it's... Uh, uh, give me a second here. Oh, that's not it. Oh, no. Um, yeah, this is Isaiah 29 and 15. Woe to, unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, who seeth us, and who knoweth us? So, essentially what the prophet Isaiah is talking about is secret societies. You look at secret societies um, that hide, but uh, they teach through symbolism, like the Freemasons. You go downtown or wherever, and you see the, um, <clears throat> the 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 I think it's called the oh my God what is that um, uh, oh jeez that little instrument that we use in mathematics to measure something I think it's called a uh, I I know what you're talking about and I cannot even think about it right now 
Yeah, I can't either. It's slipping my mind. But anyway. The protractor? Yeah, the protractor and the letter G in the middle of it. Gotcha. And um, that's sim- that's is symbolic of the great architect of the universe. See, the great architect of the universe is supposed to be the architect. He's supposed to be an architect. It's not God. It's not the God of the Bible anyway, but it's a God. And this is what Albert Pike was talking about in his book, um, uh, Morals and Dogma. He talked about Lucifer being God, the God of light. Uh, Lucifer comes from uh, the word or the, the Latin word to uh, to illuminate, and uh, that that's where the word or lucite, the meaning to illuminate, or and it talks about esoteric light. And when you hear a lot of New Agers talk about I'm enlightened, uh, I'm in, uh, you know, whatever. That means that they have seek they have knowledge that the uninitiated does not have or, or is not privy to, and yeah. and that's symbolic. People don't understand, don't have a clue as to what they're even talking about. Oprah Winfrey says the same thing. Uh, a lot of the other New Agers, like Benjamin Krim and and T and Deepak Chopra and all these other guys, they say the exact same thing. And the people that are listening just are saying that, well, he's talking about the God in them. And, and, and like you said, I mean, there's a lot of things that people don't know. Uh, it's been intentionally covered up and hidden, and and that's the danger because you don't know. And that's why I go back to my point of saying you kind of just have to read and research for yourself. Um, that's really the key to a lot of this because there's a lot that has been twisted and manipulated and turned around and or exaggerated to the point where you're like, oh, well, that's not true, or wait, is that true? I, I, you don't know anymore. And so it's important that you really kind of read and study for yourself. And we all need to do that regularly, and that's something that I'm trying to do myself, um, really get a deeper understanding uh, of the Bible and and read and kind of study for myself and, and get that understanding. But um, it's a work. It's a daily type of thing that everyone has to do, and it's a journey. So, um but yeah, the symbolism you you won't know unless you really kind of read and see how things are turned around. So yeah, um, so and, and and that's important. Uh, so, um, where do you see yourself going with this novel? I mean, it's it's really a great book. Um, lots of interesting characters. Where do you see yourself going with the novel? Do you plan on writing anything else other than spiritual warfare or is just this is is just this it the, well um well I am working on a sequel to the book I am working on that now and as for my other writings like I the type of writer that I am I write when inspired like I feel like if I have a really compelling story to tell I need to put it on paper. I need to get it out there, you know. So in terms of if I have any future projects coming up, I have one idea in mind that I'm working on. And, um, you know, I'll I'll kind of get into details with that a little bit later when I kind of flesh it out more. Maybe in another interview <laughs> we can get into that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's the type of writer I am. So when I feel inspired and compelled, I got to get it out on paper. So, there's no way for me to know right now like what might inspire me later on or what I feel I need to speak about. Um, but I really hope that, you know, God, the Most High, kind of leads me into the next project that I should be doing, um, the next writing project. And that's kind of how I'm going with all of this, you know. Um, I really felt like, you know, God really had a hand in helping me get spiritual warfare out there. You know, um, 
I really relied on faith putting it out there. And I was worried, I was kind of concerned, and that's why I was praying about it, that I wanted it to do um, what was in God's will. You know, if it's in your will, just let it get out there. Let it reach the right hands. And that's all I was concerned about. You know, if one person read the book and got something out of it, I would have been satisfied, you know. Um, But thankfully, and um, this is a blessing, you know, many people have read it, and people seem to really be liking the book, and I really appreciate that. Um, So the other day, I found out that it was a bestseller. Uh, It actually was on number three in religious science fiction. And, um, yeah, so on Amazon, so it was a bestseller, and it was number five in fantasy. So uh, it's been, people are reading it, and I I really appreciate that, and it's a blessing. It really is a blessing, and I just want it to, if it makes one person or a few people think about their life and their purpose, you know, and what God's purpose is for them, it's done its job. So, um, so I'm working on a sequel, and uh, we'll we'll just see what happens. <laughs> we will see what happens. So uh, this is excellent. I I am excited for you. Uh, your book has reached the bestsellers list, and and it's great. Um, obviously, like you said, people are reading it. People are uh, taking it uh, seriously. Uh, my, my, my next question is a little off the cusp, but I, I feel the need to, to raise it. Um, what made you want to be a writer? What 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 prompted you to want to say, hey, I, this is what I want to do. This is something that is in my spirit, in my soul, something that I want to be a part of my life. What, what made, what, what caused this to, to, to happen? Wow. Well, you know, I've always been a very creative person. I think even when I was younger, you know, I would kind of, I had this little journal that I said, it was called Keen Observations, and I would just write, like, little notes to myself about what happened today and, you know, what's going on. And and I think I had that journal when I was, like, seven or eight years old, and I don't know, and it was just a little thing that I started writing to myself. Um, and... I've always been the type where I've asked myself, why can't I do this? You know, is there anything preventing me from doing this? And, you know, we we kind of always look at other people who do stuff like, uh, you know, put out a movie or write a book or, you know, decide to go to the Olympics or decide to do something amazing. And we watch them and we're like, wow, that's amazing. That's great. But then we kind of say, oh, well, I don't know if I could do that. But you really can. And that's something that kind of clicked in my head uh, when I was a bit older. I said, you know, why can't I do this for myself? Why can't I write something where other people read it and get something out of it, like I've read other people's work and gotten something out of it? Mm-hmm. And so um, after that, you know, I just, Hearted writing. And that was it. And that's really where you have to begin. Um, if you want to be a writer, start writing. You know, um, start doing the things that you want to do. Um, start getting pen to paper and getting your thoughts out there, fleshing out your thoughts, developing your thoughts, and just coming up with a really good product and believing in yourself. And it'll work out. It'll work out. And so that that's kind of where I was. Like, I've always wanted to write. I've enjoyed writing. It's been kind of a hobby. It's been a, a, a point of relaxation for me. It helped me process things. It helped me get through things. And I said, you know what, I want to write something that could help other people. And so I just decided to do it. And I, with the help of God, with with prayer, it worked out. And, you know, I'm no one special, so I feel like if I can do it, others can do it too. Hmm. So. Well, um, that's a great outlook to have. I mean, you know, people have 
dreams and uh, hopes and they want to do certain things that nobody else has had the opportunity to even think of doing. And what you just said is sort of kind of like an encouragement to me and it's an encouragement to those that are pretty much in the same boat in a sense. So uh, with that being said, that's a a great, great comment. Uh, uh, my next question is fo- is basically focused on um, your uh, well. What what other books do you have under like for instance like what what other books do you plan on writing besides spiritual warfare? Do 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 you have anything or any ideas or have you written down anything since well, since spiritual well, warfare? I will tell you that, like, I kind of want to continue on the focus of, you know, finding your purpose, um, how God uses people, uses people that you wouldn't expect to do his work, um, to really execute a plan that he needs you to do. And I, I really want to focus on work that shows that everyone has a purpose and you need to find it because you don't know how your life can affect someone else and how you're so important and so critical that God has already assigned this to you before you even knew it. And so I kind of want to develop projects that kind of really emphasize that and show that through fiction. I really like writing fiction. Um, and uh, so I, I have a few ideas there, and I'm I'm going to work on it and, you know, flesh it out, like I said. And when I have something, a final product, I would love to come back on the show <laughs> and discuss it more with you. But right now, it's kind of, that's kind of the idea. That's the area that I'm in. Um, but nothing concrete yet. Hmm. Yeah. So when did you start writing? Uh, was it elementary school, high school? I'm, I'm curious to know uh, when did this all start for you? Uh, well, well, like I said before, I kind of just started jotting down a few ideas when I was in elementary school, you know, and I've always been a doodler and a <laughs> and a, a you know, I took little notes here and there and wrote little ideas that I had to myself, and I did that in elementary school. And so in high school, it started to develop more. Um, well, middle school, it started to develop more. Um, I had an opportunity to be on uh, the speech and debate team in middle school and in high school, and they had a category where you could write a short story. And so in seventh grade, I entered a short story competition. And at that point, you know, you you get awards and stuff in elementary school. Oh, yeah, it's nice and everything. But I don't think I had ever won anything. Um, and when I actually won first place in the short story competition in, like, seventh grade, it really – struck a chord with me. I said, wow, you know, people enjoyed my story. It was a funny little story, you know, but people really liked it. And when I read it and I performed it, people laughed and stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, so maybe I could do this. Maybe this is something I could do. And from then on, I just, I just like to write and I just would write all the time. So, Hmm. yeah. Well, it's uh, pretty interesting because when I started writing, I was in elementary school, and though I wasn't a part, I wasn't on the debate team, I uh, just started. I just got two pieces of paper, and there I went. And yeah. it didn't really develop until I was, I guess, going, going to college. Uh, I was mm-hmm. still writing by the time I was in high school, but it wasn't really as in depth as it as it started to get when I went to when, uh started going to college and taking a lot of the other 
uh, started learning more about the craft. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure it was the same for you. Am I right? Well, yeah. I mean, well, I would write in high school and stuff. And of course we took classes and things of that nature. So, um, as you kind of had to develop your own ideas, um, you would write more, you know, as you learn more of the technique and things like that, then you would write more. And so in high school and college, I had some of the opportunities to take some literature classes and those types of things and English classes. And it helped me um, become a better writer. And so, um, but in terms of the creativity, which I think is very important for anyone who wants to write, you know, you just kind of have to get your ideas out there. Don't be afraid to put your ideas to paper and work on it, you know. Even if it's just a little story that you think is kind of, oh, this is kind of corny, <laughs> this is a bit cheesy. No, it's your story, you know, mm-hmm. write it. And you never know um, what you think might not be that great. Someone might really connect with, you know, so just, Make sure that you put out the best product that you can, work on it every day, and you never know. Um, don't be afraid to to shine. Don't be afraid to do your best and to shine. And mm-hmm. um, you might actually really help someone in the process. So and that's how I think about it. Yeah, it's a... Uh great outlook to have. I mean, if you have work or if you have an idea, you know, do not be afraid or do not uh, feel that you can't put it out there for everybody to see or to take part in. You know, it's it's your story. You know, why not put it on paper? Yeah. You know, it, it's and nothing, you know, see, the, the thing with people is that, you know, they don't think they have a voice in anything and especially within the Christian community, we shy away from the arts and we shy away from uh, aesthetic, the aesthetics because they think that, well, that's uh, for the world, you know, Hollywood and all that. But people don't realize that Hollywood, that the church was involved in Hollywood before the Hollywood Production Code was was abolished in 1966. And the church kind of just left, and at, after that, then of course, uh, you know, it, it went straight to hell. But we were involved in it. We were involved in the creative pro. We were involved in writing the scripts. We were involved in making the films. We were involved in consulting and collaborating with other film directors and actors and and other screenwriters. We were involved in all of that before the Hollywood Production Code kind of went kerplunk after, in 1966. So when you hear preachers and and deacons and all these other individuals, all these dignitaries that you see in church, in the local church anyway say that, ah, you know, you don't need to get involved in, in anything that has to do with arts, and then they find out that you're writing, you're a novelist or you're an author or uh, you're a screenwriter, you're a filmmaker, you're an, uh, a, a sequential artist or a painter. They kind of look at you, or a screenwriter even, they, they kind of look at you with the kind of like, uh, you know, like what, who's this guy? And and to me, I don't I don't see how that, makes any sense at the end of the day if the work that you're doing is uplifting and it is trying to spread the good news which we're (laughs) which is kind of the intention um i don't see what the problem is and a lot of times a lot of truth can be conveyed in a very good story um people can connect to characters the plot situations um in a way that you might not get uh, just from a regular type of traditional story. Sometimes, you know, fiction or, you know, telling people an elaborate story makes people connect to it more. And there's nothing wrong with that. So um, I say continue to do what it is that you're meant to do um, as long as it's for the glory of God, I don't see what the problem is. So, well, yeah, it's it's not 
for vain glory, i.e., getting famous. I want to make money. I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a bestseller. It's about getting your work out there. It's about using that gift that God gave you to glorify Him. And how do you do that? By putting work out there, by doing mm-hmm. what God is giving you to do. Exactly. If, you know, you're, you're exercising your gift. You know, the Bible says that your gift will make room for you. Well, your gift is making room for you, is it not? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So, it, it, and that's what you're doing, Candice, and that's what all of us are doing, in, in, as a matter of fact, all of us that are involved. And not only that, but here's the thing, and, I, you know, I hate to, to bring this to um, color, but I, I have to put this out here. I have to put this on the table. We ha- We need more... Writers, we need more black, we need more African American authors, we need more African American screenwriters that are not uh, dedicated to black exploitation. What am I talking about? Well, black exploitation that we usually, that we're used to seeing during the 70s, you may be a little too young to remember, but we had Foxy Brown played by Pam Greer. She was the quintessential. Whore, you know, she was, and then we had Shaft, who was the somewhat the well, Shaft was a police officer, but he, and then we had uh, Sugar Bear or whatever his name was. He was a pimp. So all well, of these, yeah, and, yeah. So all and, of these, these uh, archetypes that we see in black movies are. Can I use the term or can I use the phrase played out? It's it's just so antiquated. No, and, and yes, and you're absolutely right. We need to start telling our own stories that are uplifting, that show us in a different, positive light. Um, it, it's absolutely necessary. So, you know, the work that you do, the work that I do, I think that the more that we focus on characters that are well-rounded, that are complex, that, uh, you know, don't play into stereotypes, I think that that is one of those things that can start to change how people perceive us as a people. Um, You know, people see what they see on television, and a lot of times they believe it. So if you see a person constantly in a role as a pimp or a drug dealer or um <clears throat> or um this woman who's very self-absorbed and only about herself and selfish all of these type of things that they promote people start to believe it and i think that we need to start writing our own stories creating our own work our own art and putting it out there and having an uplifting message that shows us in a different light. It's absolutely necessary. Yeah, um, and and I'm tired of all of the negative archetypes that we see in the movies of black women being the so-called bedwinch, like Scandal, Um, you know, black women uh, being the single mother, uh, black men being the thug, like as in Baby Boy, or the drug dealer, or the, the, the guy who's actually successful, but he's got 35 different girlfriends. Yeah. And he can't commit to one because, well, he hates women, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he has to play them all, you know, just to look just to look like he's the stud. And, and I'm tired of looking at it. You know, it, it's, it's in every, we saw it through the 80s, the 90s. We've seen it through the first portion of the, 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 new, the new millennium. And it's just it's so antiquated that it's just ridiculous. And so yeah, so we we need to uh we need to focus on that. So um uh, my my next question is <laughs> you, you reminded me on your uh on your but yeah. So um yeah. are you uh so are you looking for other publishers by any chance? Um, I am happy with the publisher that I have. I, I'm really happy with um, Solstice. And they have been working with me in in a way that I 
just really appreciate. Um, so right now, no, I'm content. So it's one of those things where it's like, hmm, we'll just see what else happens, you know? Hmm. Okay. Um, so that's uh, interesting. Uh, but uh, congratulations on your book, though. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, one other thing I'll say is uh, for people who are writing and they feel like they're not getting the support that they would like from, you know, people they know or friends or what have you, just keep doing what you're doing. And in the end, the people who want it, the people who need it will get it. And that's kind of how you have to work. And everything will work itself out the way that it's supposed to. So I just really wanted to emphasize that because sometimes it can be discouraging and people give up right before you're about to see a breakthrough. And so make sure that you don't do that. (laughs) Make sure that you just stay on the track and you're just doing what it is that you know you're supposed to be doing, um, what God has set forth for you. And everything will work itself out. Well, that's uh, that's a that's an excellent um, statement, and uh, people ought to know that with uh, writing, it's not instant fame, it's not even instant recognition, but it's hard work, it's perseverance, it's, it's perseverance, it's uh, dedication. And you have to like to do it. You, you you have to have a love for the art. It's not just doing it because of the money. Because if you're doing it for the money, then you're going to be very disappointed. I like it. I like doing what I'm doing. And, and of course, you love doing what you're doing. Well, we both yes. do. And yes. uh, that's that's uh, some that's key there. And, and that's what causes you not to pull your hair out every time you get rejected or every time someone doesn't read your book. Um, so, uh, congratulations again. Thank you so much, David, and I really appreciate you having me on the show. Um, this was a blessing, and thank you so much, and I hope to speak to you again. Oh, definitely. I'm going to, uh, call you, uh, on your regular landline uh, as soon as I end this show. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have put that in there. Maybe I should edit this out. But, um... It's been a pleasure having you on my show, and hope and uh, you'll be on because we have other topics to cover. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Nijiti and I are going to be beginning, or going to be studying, or we're going to be starting our study in the Book of Revelation starting September. Wow, that's going to uh, be very interesting. So yeah, we started last night, but we didn't put it. It's not recorded, so uh, we're going to be studying the entire book of Revelation starting in September, so hopefully you can get the call in. Um, okay, thank you. So, will you uh, enjoy your evening and have well, a good rest of the show? Uh, well, well, you too. I'm going to call you as soon as I get as soon as I end the uh, the, the show. Okay. So, but uh, but thank you for being on the show and uh, well, good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Come on. The heck? Uh, oh no! Come on. 